What do you love about being outside and active? I'm, I'm sure I've spent more time outdoors than in. That just feels like home. Enjoy what you can do because you never know what is around the corner. Just being outdoors in the fresh air, it just clears my mind. Fully immersed in nature is what brings me the most joy. This week we are treated to a Paralympic gold medalist as I welcome on Richard Whitehead, MBE, who I chatted to at the National Running Show. Now, born and raised in Nottingham in the UK, uh, with a double through knee congenital amputation, Richard developed a passion for sport at an early age and won his first world title at the World Championships in New Zealand, a title that was quickly followed by European and Paralympic gold in 2012, of course, at London. And in 2013, he embarked on a charity expedition, which saw him run 40 marathons in 40 days. And in doing so, he became the first double-leg amputee to run the length of the country. Now, I've skimmed through some amazing, amazing achievements there. And alongside all of these achievements, he's recently launched the Richard Whitehead Foundation, which aims to inspire and tackle the barriers faced by people with disabilities in accessing sport and being engaged in their community. And this is a foundation that he supports through his running and that we talk about in this episode. And we also talk about some of the upcoming challenges and aims he has for running in 2024. Now, Richard is a massive marathon man, a marathon head. It is like an expert distance for him. But what is he going to be aiming to achieve in 2024? Listen to this episode and find out. Oh, yeah. And also, he was made an MBE in 2013. If that wasn't all enough. Now, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Richard was a fantastic person to have on the podcast. Um, and also fantastic to have on the podcast is Zen B as a sponsor. They were sponsoring last week's episode. They're back again this week. Um, I'll talk a little bit about them later in the episode. But for now, let's head straight into this conversation with Paralympic gold medalist Richard Whitehead, MBE. Hello. Hi, oh, you are. We're in a quiet room just off of a busy show floor at the National. Well, it's really show. busy, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Rammed, and you're speaking later. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Obviously, uh, Susie and Ewan know yeah. them very well. It's great to have that opportunity to reconnect with the running community, uh, but also kind of showcase where I'm at at the moment for 2024 and how things have massively changed in the last like, 18 months. Yeah, we're going to catch up about that. But first, we have a tradition where we offer you a piece of advice that someone who's been a guest before leaves. And this piece of advice uh, comes from Adriana Damey, who's been on the podcast uh, just before you. And she's been speaking as well at the show. And it's very simple. And it's to embrace change. Because change can be a scary thing. And it might be something that you don't know is coming. It might be positive. Yeah, it's important for sure. Taking it into your stride, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think... Everybody has obstacles and challenges within life and they naturally create change. And I think for me, it's more about uh, understanding that that can happen and being dynamic enough to uh, understand when that happens, be ready for it. And uh, the other question I ask to everyone, what do you love about being outside and active? Yeah, that's a, a great question. It's usually people's reaction. It's a great <laughs> question. It's, it's obviously quite, a, quite an open question as yeah. well. I think for me, it's um, the opportunity it gives you. Um, and that's the difference between running in the outside and running on a treadmill in a gym or at home. I've got a treadmill at home, yeah. which I use when I physically cannot run on the road. It's too icy. Uh, but I, I like going out and training in all weathers. And it connects you with the, the, the outside, for sure. And I'm sure a lot of people say that. But I think for me, it's about 
understanding it's an opportunity to shine and it gives you a great platform. For me, it's connection with the community, but also an opportunity to, to be the best form of myself. That's a common thought of people running on treadmills. It's just not, not the same. It's good for people coming back with recovery and things like that, but in terms of actually getting outdoors, like I said, sometimes you can't. But, uh, and also mental health wise, I feel that um, when we talk about physical and mental health, and mental health is as important, if not more important than physical health. And and if you're out in your local uh, country park or just out on the road, um, you get a lot more benefits from being out there. And I know it's really tough for those that are just starting their journey, mm. but it's about playing the long game. And we've all been in that position, whether you're myself or Mo Farrow or Ailish. We've all been on that that position where the starting the starting blocks of, of running are always the hardest. Get through that, and every day you'll be getting better. Well, that's what's great about here. I mean, obviously you've got people that run ultra marathons constantly. You've got people crazy. like yourselves that do crazy challenges. <laughs> yeah. um, but you've got those people that maybe that I bet you there's people out there that haven't even done their first five k or park run yet. They're coming here and maybe using that as the inspiration and. This is the start of their journey. And also, you're kind of picking up those nuggets of um, inspiration, like I say, to really liberate themselves to take on a more active physical lifestyle. And I was just listening to the, the menopause talk from the, the, the girls, and uh, that really, for me, you can kind of see how there's a lot of relatability, uh, but also, for me, it's upskilling my kind of knowledge uh, around how I can relate to um, a different gender, yeah. And, and also some of the challenges and obstacles that we all face, how relatable they are. Yeah, we've had a couple of people on the podcast talking about running later in life, particularly yeah. obviously females, the menopause, and how that might change as well. Yeah. And the perceptions towards, oh, I, a lot of people say, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm 56. I can't run. I yeah, can't run. I My hear that says that all the time. I, I hear I, I that it's too late now. Um, but it's, it's not. I mean, never, but it, never obviously, the way that you do run changes. I mean, have, have you noticed over, you know, your running career of how preparation recovery has changed over that period maybe for sure I started my running journey in my kind of late 20s started with the marathons and went to track them I've come back to those and recovery is a massive part of um, anybody's lifestyle never mind running and it's about understanding how important that is and recovery comes in lots of different forms whether that's sleep whether that's nutrition whether that's lifestyle, whether that's specific things like cold water, etc. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's about kind of understanding your body, what works for your body. So through the experiences that I've had as an elite athlete, utilising those and then building that platform to be better with the support of recovery. And recovery is key. I, I do talk to a lot of young people around kind of really paying it forward, yeah. recording recovery. Um, foam rolling, red light therapy maybe, uh, cold water, loads of different things, um, uh, therapy guns and things like that. And I think for me it's about understanding what works for you. Um, don't just rely on what you see on social media. Okay. Don't rely on uh, what other people preach. Understand that everybody's body is different. Everybody's body. I've obviously got a disability. And a person that's a double-leg amputee that may be in a different environment is completely different than myself. And that's why I take it, that you, you take yourself as a person and then just kind of through experiences, through uh, maybe the, the challenges that you have, have that kind of uh, rounded approach to, for success and also have those gold medal moments yourself. Every day, 
kind of go, today I'm going to be better than tomorrow through recovery. I love that. I love that thought. And I absolutely want to touch on a successful 2012 for you, um, the, the Paralympics. But I want to talk about maybe the, the two weeks before, um, kind of leading up to that. I mean, how long before the actual event do you know? Because I've, I've spoken to some winter Olympians that say they don't know until like two or three weeks before. I mean, you have an idea, yeah, I suppose, for in terms sure. of timing. And it just stuff. depends on the selection criteria. So, yeah. f- for instance, if you're previous gold or silver medalist, you'll get an automatic selection for the next Games, yeah. Paralympics-wise. So you'd, as long as you show form, uh, so you'd know probably at least a year in, in advance. Um, there is selection criteria. <clears throat> there is rubber stamping on your place. You will... You will have a, a window where you'll know you're actually going. But really, until you get that, that letter to say, congratulations, you've been selected as part of Paralympics or Olympics GB. And then, and then that's where the kind of <coughs> the acceleration of being part of the team and the successful team starts. But I think until you get on that plane to the holding camp, you don't kind of really feel like, wow, this is like serious. Uh, it's about utilising all that training, all that um, work with your coaching team and the team around you to then kind of, this is, it's all about this. Mm-hmm. Kind of all those uh, things that happen outside of you that you kind of have to negate and have to, you have to be very selfish within that moment because when you get to that start line, it's just you against the seven, eight, nine other people that's in that race, and it's, it's about <clears throat> giving the best form of you. Just jumping into this conversation to tell you about the sponsor of this week's episode, Zen B, because they want you to get ready to rethink plants. Their pasta, noodles, sauces, and snacks are made with whole vegetables, meaning they're not just a treat for your taste buds, they're also naturally gluten-free and higher in protein, fibre, and minerals. Take their pasta, for instance. A single serving packs a staggering 17 grams of protein. And with Zen B, you can save at every bite, knowing that you're fueling your body with goodness. To find out more about Zen B, all of their products and what they're all about, then head over to zenb.co.uk. There's a link in the podcast notes. And sign up to enjoy 20% off your first order with code ACTIVE25. For the correct spelling and all the information, head to the podcast notes. Some perfect post-podcast protein pasta there for you. Too many peas, too many peas. So check it out after the episode. But for now, let's get straight back into the conversation with Richard. I was going to say that that almost the two minutes, I imagine it probably feels like a lifetime before that finals, that race. Where's your mind at? Because we spoke to Connor Jackson about this yesterday, about where his, where yeah. he thinks it's kind of... You, Eight million things go through your mind for sure. Sort of Thirty seconds of yeah, for sure. I, I have um, I have like a twenty-four hour plan that I ha- that I roll out before a race, and then everything's everything's a structure, everything's a process. Uh, focus is really important within that process as well, making sure that you're very metronomic with your uh, approach. And when you get to the start line, it's just literally sh- your training is showing. Um, your best form of you in that race. So you you go, well, I've trained better than anybody else. I feel stronger than everybody else, and I'm just going to show it. And um, within that first 24, last 24 hours before my race, everything's kind of planned out. And I, even down to the conversations I have with my coach, um, the, the, my mindset in, in first call, in final call, when I go on the track, I kind of know that so that there's no real surprises. But then also being dynamic enough to say, well, what happens if one of my screws 
uh, breaks in my prosthetics or what happens if, if this happens, I need to have a spare or mm. I need to have a contingency plan just in case it doesn't go to plan. And then, and then, tra and then training for kind of if it's, if it's hot, if it's windy, if it's... Like for 200 metres, there's so many kind of environmental things that can... If you've got a cold... Uh, if you've got a bit of a stomach ache, you just little things like that. But also knowing you get onto the start line, gun goes, bang, that's it. Two hundred meters, and then you just deliver it. Best form of yourself. You win, you win, or you do <laughs> your time, and that's it. For me, in London, twenty twelve, eighty thousand people on the first of September saw my race. Um, like millions of people have have commented on my race yeah. and and have, have seen seen it, and it's. For me, it's a real out-of-body experience. I remember, like, the day itself, getting to the start line, going down into the blocks. Every athlete will say to themselves, before they clear, clear, clear their mind, don't mess this up, for sure. It's about kind of, look, you've, you've trained, for me, since 2005, since the announcement, for that one moment. Wow. So, yeah, for, so seven years of real hard kind of graft, and then knowing that, that's going to showcase what I do from that point, and then delivering the best form of myself. The first 50 metres, obviously the crowd that hadn't seen me before were like, oh, this guy's meant to win this race, and I'm like in eighth. And then obviously as you come round the bend, as you'll see on the YouTube video, that um, I just start picking people off, and then you hear like a, a jet engine kind of a sound kind of pulling me into the home straight and then obviously finish off my race with a, the guns in the air celebrating it. <laughs> of course. It's, yes. And that, and Ready those, for the cameras. And those moments, those, those moments for me have never been kind of practised or contrived. It's moment, it's kind of that's emotion. It's about kind of a real celebration of kind of triumph and um, yeah, proud moment for my family for sure. All my family was in the stadium Um from a coaching team, Keith Antoine, who's coached Catherine Mary, and uh, among others. To, yeah, to be able to do that with him, and then to back it up in Rio, really proud moments. But um, it also shows that whatever age you are, you can achieve within sport. And I was, I was in my 30s when I won my first Paralympic gold medal. Um, and at the time, the performance director, Peter Erickson, dismissed my, my, my ability to do that. And... And we, we kind of put a plan together to show him that it was definitely possible. It's a bit of a revenge plan in there. Revenge is a strong well, word, well, but it's well, a bit yeah. of a well, well, two-fingers-up approach. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I finished, when I finished, I kind of did my lap of honour, yeah. and I saw my coach, gave him a hug, and I, Peter was actually next to him, he was cupping, like he does, <laughs> and I said to him, never doubt me. If you speak to Peter, ask him, never doubt me, I said. And he was like, I never did. And I was like, Peter, you doubted me from day one. He said, I only did it because I know you do this. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, right, well, uh, yeah, good yeah. one. <laughs> is, is there, because you see with a lot of people that build up to marathons or events, um, that afterwards there's that kind of, that, that post-event drop. Yeah. Does that happen as well? Or do you ride sort of away for a little, because I imagine it's just hectic. Yeah, for sure, like uh, commercially and socially, as well as uh, the real buzz around the events mm. uh, can, can be a, a whirlwind, uh, and especially if you're not used to uh, being thrown into those those areas. Mm. For for me, it was a case of I'd I'd worked before, I'd worked in teaching, I'd got that kind of grounding, um, got a coaching team that had already had that kind of success in the Olympics. He was kind of going, well, this is this is going to happen. We kind of we we still need to do this, uh, but 
my agent kind of said, well, we're going to have these opportunities, but still have that focus on the next four years. So we always had a plan in place. But I wanted to enjoy the, enjoy it as well, because up until that point of crossing the finish line, you've got a lot of pressure, you've got a lot of responsibility. You put that GB tracksuit on, you feel like you're not only running for yourself and your family and your team, but also the country. To be able to deliver that, and it's really important to evaluate that performance, enjoy it, then to come back and say, well, what next? Because there is massive highs and lows of sport. And I know from speaking to a lot of Paralympic Olympic athletes that have become successful, have really struggled with the, the, the negative effects of success. And that's a, how do you repeat a performance where you're literally a lifetime goal of kind of running in front of 8,000 people, winning? And how do you then replicate that in your own personal life when that those kind of people aren't there and you've not got that platform. Yeah. I think for me, it's always been the work that I do with my charity, the Richard White Foundation, but also other charities that I work for. Um, the ability to uh, work with young people and, and support them in their, their aspirations for the future. And also understanding that you need to, we all need to be thankful for the circumstances we've got. And whether you've got a disability or not, there's always somebody worse off than yourself. And, yeah, I'm really thankful for my parents that they saw the power of sport as a real positive for me at an early age. And, yes, I only got into sprinting, marathon running later on in my life, but, yeah, I don't regret not going, being in it earlier. I think because I came into running later in my life, I think I've got a lot of, lot, lot of experience, life skills, but also the ability to have longevity in my career. Yeah, the Richard Whitehead Foundation, you're working towards breaking down the barriers for disability sport. For sure. Um, I, in a previous role at university, did some stuff around trying to support disability sport at university yeah. and know that it's it's a very difficult thing and, and, and sure. it can stop people from being active. And we spoke earlier about the benefits of being physically active. So what are you really trying to do there and how is the progression kind of going? How are you looking to, to make change and support people's lives? Yeah, so t uh, 10, 12 years ago when I won in London, there was a real opportunity uh, to have a charity at that point. But felt like I wanted to... Uh, enrich my my knowledge, my experiences in lots of different minority groups. So I worked extensively with humanitarian charities in places like Syria, Jordan, Turkey, in the States, as well as homeless charities, LGTQ plus charities, uh, BME charities. So a range of minority groups to really upskill my uh, knowledge of some of those barriers and obstacles that minority groups uh, have, but also understand that within the disability sector, we have um, individuals that are uh, from an intersectionality uh, point of view. So you might be uh, a female that's uh, a wheelchair user that's also from the BME community. So you've got those barriers that you have to overcome yeah. to just kind of get out the door. Um, so I wanted to have more knowledge and experience and know that, that, that I'm not just representing Richard Whitehead, who's white male with no legs. I wanted to know that the Richard Whitehead Foundation is going to support not only the disability community, but also support uh, the community around them for that sustainable model. So we work, uh, the Richard Whitehead Foundation work with individuals around employment, so employers to be more socially responsible to employ people with disabilities in employment through the power sport, education, going into schools and uh, talking about the importance of uh, diversity, 
but also celebrating differences and getting young people to understand that everybody is different and then participation so getting more people from behind the barriers to on the road running uh, and I'm not just talking about running as a sport but any sport yeah. whether it's swimming cycling running crossfit whatever and we do that through at the moment for a buddy system uh, called the supported guide uh, program and we match people from either the able-bodied community or disability community with uh, disabled people that are starting their journey in major events. So we've got places available for uh, those that want to run London Marathon yep. as, a, as a support runner, as well as uh, Great North Run, Great South Run, all the run series. And also we're working with other partners to be more diverse because I think it's... It's all right when we talk about, oh, we're inclusive or we've got an inclusive environment, but that might be from the eyes of an able-bodied person. Yeah. If you've got lived experiences of, of, as a person with a disability, then you really understand what diversity is. It, it, it's going a little bit deeper than just going, actually, we've got places for people with disabilities. You need to know some of the blockers and the barriers for people with disabilities, like communication, like maybe some, some of your application forms, why are they not more uh, accessible for people with a visually impaired community, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So we're working hard and tirelessly to work with organisations to be more inclusive. And then my, the brands and organisations that I'm personally um, supported by, also I'm working as EDI uh, officers oh, uh, for those as well, which is really good. It's good, and then they're engaging with that, obviously. For sure, so like Nissan, who I, I've worked for since 2013, uh, myself and Adele Roberts are EDI ambassadors and it's, it's really empowering to see the, the social uh, model that they've got and how it's making that internal change to then uh, holistically kind of really showcasing what a brand should be doing for the dis disability community, working with people like mm. Motability, etc. Yeah, and just quickly, you touched on London Marathon. I mean, marathon distance for you is kind of... Oh, second nature now. You've done so many of them. Was yeah. it over seventy-seven? So it's more than that now. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, so I've done yeah, plenty. So, uh, <laughs> so Tokyo is my next marathon. That's seventy-nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, eighty will be London. So you got Tokyo in from recording this end of January. A few four or five weeks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and then and then London, Boston. Uh, so Boston, London, then um, uh, Chicago. Big year this year. Um, I've set myself a challenge. So, um, 2009, 2010, I set my personal best of 2:42 in Chicago. Right. Um, at that point, I became fastest amputee ever to run on prosthetics. So, single leg, double leg, wow. below knee, above knee. So, I've, I've called my my 2024 project uh, 235. Project 235. So between now and Chicago, I'm trying to run two hours and 35 minutes. Oh, wow, that's shaving a, yeah, a good so, bit so, off. Yeah, so um, I've got um, performance indicators. So yeah. I'm looking for 250 in, in Tokyo. So when you talk to marathon runners, it's all about numbers. Yeah. So 250 in uh, uh, Tokyo, then try and break 242 in London, and then all about kind of Chicago at the end of the year. I'm Which you know you can healthy. do speed there because you've done it before. Yeah, so it's, just... it's, 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 I know the course. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have pacers with me to kind of support that. 
I feel fitter and healthier than literally I've ever been, even though I'm in my mid 40s, well, late 40s, mid 40s, mid 40s works like. Um, and I still enjoy it, I still enjoy I enjoy my longer runs more than I've ever done that, and that was the thing that I hated initially. Amazing. Yeah, and, and actually, I kind of go out on the road and go, right, I'm, I'm working towards something, I'm focused towards something, this is, this is why I'm doing it, so I've got a real purpose. Oh, amazing, amazing. Looking forward to, to, to track it, hopefully. That two, what is it, 235? 235, Project 235, yeah. Project 235. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've done loads of different challenges. You became, were you the first double, double leg amputee to do the, the entire length of the yeah, UK? Yeah, 40 miles in 40 days. Was joggle? Yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. So I, I did Land's End, jog, John of Greats, yeah. but I went via Nottingham as well, so I had it like, <laughs> had it like about 150 <laughs> miles, yeah, so. And that was awesome, and that was for uh, Sarcombe UK which is brilliant, again, a, a charity that I'm patient of, so a, a cancer-related charity. Yeah. And when you've got that purpose, when you've got that reason behind what you're doing, it really does not only resonate with the community, but also kind of in those dark moments where you, you kind of go, I'm really struggling, you, you realise that you can't quit, you, you, you've got that kind of real support network behind you as well to get to the finish, and yeah, we raised a lot of money. Also, the awareness for the char- charity now has kind of skyrocketed, because of that, and to be a little part of that that progress for that charity is awesome. Must be a big motivator for you to go and do these challenges in the marathons. Obviously, the, your foundation as well. Yeah. But the other charities you see patrons for and that you, you you run for and do challenges for is that it gets you going. As yeah, well. and 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 those kind of moments with any any run is really tough. You you kind of open the curtains in the morning at six seven o'clock in the morning. I've got to run today. What's going to motivate? What's going to get your trainers on mm. or get you out the door? You need to have something. Um, and I have like five things that, that, that I do every day that really do kind of set me up. And I think it's really important to have kind of your own aspirations and goals. And one thing I would say for those, those that are watching that kind of write those down and put them either beside your bed or on a, on a, on a fridge door. So Tangible when, then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it then holds you to account. And they don't have to be, they don't have to be big things either. So, so one of mine is... is to make my bed and within that process uh, understand what I'm going to do today. So it might be making my bed thinking, right, today I'm going to do a good run or making my bed and going, oh, I'm going to the school today and we're talking to these, these pupils about um, um, sustainability or inclusion. And, and that for me really sets up my day. So to have those goals every day and then when you're brushing your teeth at the end of the, end of the day, kind of just evaluate and say, actually, I've had a really good day Tomorrow is a new day. Let's kind of kick on. And it's not like massive things. It's not no, like run a marathon. No, it needs or whatever. to be tangible it's, it's for the, sure. You can tick lots of things off. Yeah. It's a good positive indicator. And, I, and I've got like, like even things like so. Uh, I'm a massive believer in kind of upskilling yourself and knowledge is power. So just to read every day, and it can be a, a page, it could be a chapter, and it could be anything. And I like to listen to people that maybe I've not. I don't. I don't know that subject very well or I've never kind of come across that kind of information before so I like to kind of diversify my my approach and I do that through reading so I do that every day and and then as part of that kind of actually go what are those nuggets and how is it related to me and how is that how is that going to support my my mission and my statement moving forwards and uh, as a person with a disability that runs, I don't want that to define me, but hopefully people see uh, my disability as something that, uh, a challenge or an obstacle that I've 
got over to become successful. Yeah. But, but because I've got these kind of five like things in the morning, they give me the kind of opportunity to kind of push on. Richard, I'm, I'm so grateful for your time. I offered you a time. piece of advice at the beginning. Uh, so now is your opportunity to leave a piece of advice that I can pass forward onto a guest coming on soon. So we hear a lot of, lot of advice from yep. um, yeah, inspirational people, uh, people that um, have a lot of experience within the running motivational community. I think uh, the general members of the public want things that are really simple. And for me, I want uh, runners to smile more. And when you get up in the morning, be thankful, smile, and then when you go out, kind of go, actually, right, I'm going to start my run with a big smile on my face, smash your run, and then when you get in, I know you might be a bit tired, like, today I've got 16 miles to do when I get home, but um, I'll smile at the end and go, actually, that was a good job today. So it's smiling more. Smile more. I look yeah. forward to passing that along. Thank you so much. For sure, anytime. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Zenby for being the sponsor. And of course, thank you to Richard Whitehead, MBE, for sitting down at the National Running Show and chatting to me about the foundation, his running, and best of luck to the time that he wants to run uh, this year. Tokyo's coming up very soon, so we look forward to following along his progress. Just a quick favour before you leave. It makes a massive difference when you share this podcast and this episode the podcast as a whole, it makes a massive difference. So if you could take literally five seconds to share it with someone who you think would enjoy it just as much as you, then please do. And also leave a review, a like, a comment, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Again, it really does have a massive, massive impact. So I thank you ahead of time. I'll be back next week with another running themed episode and another running themed guest. Very much looking forward to the next one. But for now, I've been Dominic Brown. Enjoy the outdoors. Enjoy the outdoors.